Yes, we'll gather at the river, the beautiful, the beautiful river. Gather with the saints at the river, that holds on the throne of God. I came up here I asked Tracy pray for me I appreciate your prayers for me the Lord helped me in trying to preach somebody said well you've done that so many times I know but I also recognize I'm coming to the end of the ministry of being able to preach and uh, I don't know how much longer it's going to last but uh, I thank the Lord for the opportunity to have preached through the years I'm now I'm 80 I'm 86 I preached my first sermon by the help of the Lord when I was 15 years old. And uh, I never forget that. That's, uh, before I was dating Betty, but uh, I felt the Lord called me to preach, and what I had said times before I would like to preach but then when I felt like the Lord may be calling me I wasn't for sure I thought well maybe that's just something that that I've wished for and so um, one service I went before the church brother T.B. Freeman was my pastor and I told him, I said, Brother Freeman, I'm not for sure, but I think maybe the Lord is calling me to preach. And if that's true, I'm surrendering to preach the gospel. And uh, they were all very kind to me at that time. The service is over. And Brother Freeman came over to me and he said, uh, Douglas, I'm going to North Carolina to begin a revival meeting and uh, I will not be here Wednesday night. I'd like for you to take the service. Uh, that I was not expecting. I had no sermon notes. I didn't know how to, I, I, I never made a sermon note before. I knew nothing about it, but boy, I'll tell you one thing. You talk about a 15-year-old boy getting caught up on his prayer life. Between that Sunday night and Wednesday, 
I kind of got caught up on my prayer life. I did a lot of praying. I did more praying in those three days than I'd ever done before. I'm sure. Anyway, <clears throat> things change in your life sometimes, but it'll change your prayer life. Which didn't mean. It always does. If something comes along, it gets me to praying. I want to speak to you on the subject this morning, on the subject of scattering the seed. Scattering the seed. Some of you maybe have done some of that. I've not done a lot, but I've done some. Scattering grass seed, trying to get some grass to grow. Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 38, Jesus said, The field is world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. Christians have been sown by the Lord throughout the whole world in order to bear positive Productive witness for him. In Acts chapter 8, it shows us here the Lord's seed was scattered from the central headquarters in Jerusalem, and we'll see that the Lord's seed or carried a seed with them that seed is the Word of God. That's the, that's the seed that we're to scatter is the Word of God. In the parable of the sower in Luke, Jesus said in Luke 8 and verse number 11, the seed is the Word of God. My first point is an explanation In Acts chapter 8 and verses 1 through 4, Saul was consenting unto the death of Stephen. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which is Jerusalem. And they were scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering into every house and hailing men and women committing them to prison. Boys, you talk about a rascal. He was a rascal. We find that the chapter begins with an account of persecution against the Jerusalem church. The persecution of the church is one of the uh, recurring things of uh, themes of Acts and it sounds rather strange 
in this day when churches are often patronized rather than persecuted. This persecution was predicted by the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 23, get myself back there to it, Matthew um, Well, I lost myself. Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 34. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and and persecute them from city to city. Now then, turn with me to the book of Mark and chapter 10 and verse number 30. Mark 10 and 30. The Bible says here, it's Mark 10, 30, that he shall uh, receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come, eternal life. Oh, persecution getting around, getting out. Let's go now to the book of uh, John, chapter 15. John 15. And here we're going to look at verse 20. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have uh, kept my saying, they will uh, keep yours also. We in the day in which we live, we're not much familiar with persecution. But I'll tell you right now, folks, we read a little bit in history and we find that there's some believers in time past who suffered terribly for the cause of Christ. Some of the worst persecution that believers have ever had to suffer is over infant baptism. Oh my. Men who lost their lives because of their stand against infant baptism. There are those 
who are not believers are strongly believed that babies ought to be baptized. Um, and a lady called me one time and asked me, I didn't even know the woman, but she asked me a question. She said, Will you baptize my baby? And I told her, I said, Yes, ma'am. I will baptize your baby if you will show me the Scripture that I should read before I baptize your baby. She said, I don't know what it is. You're the preacher. You should know that. I said, yes, ma'am. I'm the preacher. But I don't know anywhere in the Bible where it says anything about baptizing babies. But she said, why do they baptize babies? I said, I don't know, except it's just a matter of tradition, but it's not taught in the Bible at all. Nowhere does the Bible say anything about baptizing a baby. Well, sometimes you talk to somebody uh, about their relationship with the Lord. And they say, well, I've been baptized. Well, where were you baptized? Well, I don't know. I was baptized when I was a baby. That's just tradition. That doesn't mean a thing in the world. No reason for it at all. Only thing it does is make some family members feel good. That's about all you can say it does. Well, they say, isn't that cute? Isn't that pretty? That's about as far as it goes. It, it, the only thing that baptizing the baby does is get a baby's head wet. That's about as they sprinkle a little bit of water on his head and that's it. Useless as it can be. Do you know that still goes on today? Oh, yeah. Still goes on today, and there's no scriptural reason for it whatsoever. And there are churches who applaud that sort of thing. There's no reason for it. Now, though we're not uh, to have a murder complex. We shouldn't be surprised when persecution does come our way. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 12, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Don't be surprised when persecution does come because it can and it will. Now, this persecution, <clears throat> this particular persecution at least here, that came strictly after the martyrdom of Stephen in Acts chapters 6 and 7. Now, it seems to have opened up a floodgate of persecution burst upon the churches like a storm. They... Uh, radiance of Stephen's life shone the shame of the show of the religionists' lives, and uh, well, they couldn't take it. They didn't like it at all. The place of genuine Christian 
in an office, in a school, it will always disturb and draw fire. You're a Christian, and wherever it is that you're at, you mark my word, others around you, especially those who don't know the Lord, they recognize who you are. That you are a Christian. Uh, that uh, you're, you're different. Because you certainly are different. One man seems to be a leader of the onslaught here in Acts chapter 8 is Saul. Sometimes the worst antagonist Maybe the best prospect, and that would be, he'd be one of them. Hostility to the gospel may be actually an attempt to cover up conviction. And boy, he was sure against the gospel, and he fought against it every way he could. As a result of this persecution, we're told, in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 1, they were all scattered abroad. This actually here is a picture of the words uh, that indicate that they were dispersed like seed planted in a field. They're just they went everywhere. Persecution causes Christians, well, uh, persecution coming in a the, the Christians take off. Well, uh, they're at the scattering the seed, the seed now, and uh, uh, the same pictures used of the Jews. They were scattered throughout the Roman Empire, primarily for the purpose of trade. In uh, John chapter seven and verse number thirty-five, I think I've got that marked here. John chapter 7 and uh, verse 35 where it says, Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go that we shall not find him? Will he go to the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's exactly what he did. He went everywhere teaching and preaching the Word of God. They are scattered. And uh, it's also used to refer to Christians, uh, communities, rather on. And read uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Oh, they're scattered everywhere. And then in James chapter 1, and uh, verse number 1, James, a servant of God, 
and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad greeting so we find that the Lord has his way of scattering his people from one place to another getting the word out so we find these early Christians were being scattered like seed all over the world and here we read flesh and blood the people leaving family and home familiar surroundings and such uprooting can be heard and experienced there are job adjustments to be made new schools for the children but we must be prepared to make personal sacrifice for Jesus sake if the Lord scatters us and moves us wherever now in this scattering was a providential blessing um the enemies of the Lord Jesus Christ meant to smother God and they intended to scatter, uh, put a stop to the word of God being spread. But this was God's way at this time to get His people to the task. When persecution comes, God's people are going to move. Very often, persecution gets us busy doing what Jesus has told us to do all along. Taking the gospel to other places. We don't go. He's able to bring in persecution to cause us to move. And oh boy, we do. But thank the Lord for one thing. When you've been saved by the grace of God, you don't be quiet. Wherever you go, it's going to come out that you're a believer. It's going to show. Um, I heard tell of a, a man ask another man, said... Uh, you are saved. You are a believer, aren't you? He said, yes, I am. How did you know? Oh, he said, it just shows. It just shows. And child of God, you may not recognize it in yourself, but as a believer, it shows. It shows. Others, especially those who don't know Christ, they recognize a difference in you. It shows you're different. You are different. Our actions are different. Our talk is different. I'll be honest with you folks. I don't want to act like the world acts. 
I don't want to talk like the world talks. And I don't be a bit surprised if it shows when I'm not like them. Very often persecution gets us busy doing what we ought to be doing. I'd like to be doing what I ought to be doing without having to go through persecution. Uh, If we're too slow in carrying out the Lord's great commission, He may have to send persecution and scattering to shake us out of our lethargy and ease. Get us going. Oh, may God help us. Do what we ought to do where we are in scattering the seed the Lord wants us to do. There's a tendency for Christians who want to bunch up. But we're not meant to be like a nut shut up in a shell. But... We're to be open so the meat can be shared. And verse number 4 tells us that the scattering, the the scattered disciples did in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 4, they went everywhere preaching the Word. They're still at it. Everywhere they went, They were scattering the seed of the gospel. That's the way it should be still with us. This is to be our constant activity. It'll be helpful to study this verse around three questions. And my first question is this. Who preached the Word? Why the preachers, of course. Don't you note the last three words of verse number 1 except the apostles. They didn't go. Actually, the apostles stayed with the mother church at Jerusalem keeping the home base strong. There are two main Greek words for preaching. One refers to the proclamation of a herald. The other means to declare the good news. It means to evangelize. to gossip the gospel. The latter word is used here. To gossip the gospel. What we have here is conversational evangelism. Lifestyle evangelism, if you please. The early Christians went everywhere Talking about Jesus. It's not every Christian's duty 
to get in the pulpit and to deliver a message. It is his or her duty to talk about, or talk to others about the Lord Jesus. So sister, brother, you may not be called to stand in a pulpit to preach to a group of people, but you are called to talk to others that you may have conversation with about the Lord. There may be a man come to your house to repair an appliance at your house. Let me tell you something, folks. God has brought you an opportunity right there in your house to testify for the Lord. That man, that woman, that repair person, they ought to be able to recognize the fact that you are a Christian. Because the way you talk, you talk about the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, and so on. You may not actually ask them, are you saved, or something like that. You may or may not, but but in your conversation, they ought to recognize that you are a believer in Jesus Christ. But one thing, they don't hear curse words coming out of your mouth. They don't hear foul talk. But they hear your talk and they recognize you are different. Because you are. More unsafe people in the world than there are believers. Oh, may God help us to let it be shown that we're not like the unsaved world, but we are different by the grace of God. <clears throat> do what you do because you love the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we find that uh, some seed is productive because receptive soil. And some of the seed, indeed, it falls on ground that's not good. And uh, it doesn't produce. But thank God for the good seed that fell that you heard and you came to know the Lord Jesus. Now, that was my second question there is, is where did they preach? So they preached in the Word. They, they, uh, where did they preach the Word? They preached it everywhere. Everywhere they went. And then the why did they preach the Word? 
because of the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. They took seriously His great commission and we must do the same thing. Get serious about being a part of the witnessing process of spreading the Gospel. I am so thankful that I heard of the Gospel actually well all my life I've heard about it a little bit but I actually didn't really come to realize I was lost I don't believe until the day that I got saved I really I, can't, I, I, I really came to realize I was lost but I had heard before and I thank God I've heard it over and over ever since. Uh, Philip, I want you to notice in verses 5 through 25 is an illustration here. He's one of the original seven deacons in Acts chapter 6. He was not an apostle, but he was a faithful witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And a result of Philip's witnessing and preaching, many people in Samaria came to the Lord Jesus. In verse number 8, this is Acts chapter 8, verse number 8, there was great joy in that city. And we can only imagine the joy scenes that took place. Individuals came to know the Lord Jesus. The liberating power of Jesus Christ. And people getting saved. We thank the Lord. In some times past, we've seen some times when joy was just fill the house. Especially when you see one person get saved, or sometimes it's two in the same service, and sometimes it's three and four professions of faith at one time. We don't see that much anymore, but we have in times past. And there's great joy. It seemed like there's joy all in the house. There's joy outside. There's people being saved. Thank the Lord for all of that. It's a great testimony of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. A complete transformation in a person's life. They come to repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is an interesting background to this passage here which is not immediately apparent Witnessing is being compared to seed sowing. Some of the uh, uh, some of the ground uh, was hard, and some was ready for it. Others sowed uh, in some places where uh, the ground had to be watered, and some places the ground was already. Uh, moist and ready for the seed 
thank God for that time. It's not every seed that's going to produce. But boy, thank God when it does. As many hear the gospel, it seems like it goes in one ear and right out the other. It doesn't mean a thing to They got nothing. Got nothing. Another person may be sitting right next to them, breaking down in repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus. And what it is, it's the Spirit of God working with the Word of God as it is preached and it's applied to their heart and bringing them to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus. You thank God, child of God, when you got saved, you heard the Gospel. You heard the Gospel and the Spirit of God drove it to your heart. Someone sitting on the same pew with you may not have gotten a thing. But God got you. God got you. Oh me. Folks, I remember what God got me. They know where to run. Know where to run. Thank the Lord for the power of the gospel in bringing a lost sinner to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The opening verses here in verse number 4, we see that Jesus carefully and patiently sowing the seed in the heart of one Samaritan woman. And she runs into the village and scattering the seed. As the people from the village come out to Jesus, He said, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already to harvest. Then in verses 36 through 38, Jesus explained the cultivated witnessing process to the disciples. Philip was having the joy of getting in on the previous sowing and the witnessing. Jesus, folks, is the Lord of the harvest. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. The seed is the Word of God in Luke chapter 8 and verse number 11. And every seed does not produce a Christian. For some, not ready. God gives the increase in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 6. There's no such thing, and man says here, I've heard tell this sort of thing happening. Man says to himself, I'm going to go out and witness and win somebody to the Lord. Well, maybe you will, maybe you won't. You go out and witness, that you can do. But if they get saved, that's up to the Lord. You might talk them into making a profession of faith, but that don't mean that they're saved. God gives the increase. 
It's oneness with the Spirit. And our word, our, our reward is according to our work. Oh, may God help us to get involved in the matter of scattering the seed of the Word of God. Praying for lost people to be saved. Let me ask you a question. Do you have somebody in your mind and in your heart that you pray for that will get saved? Every day. You ought to be praying for somebody to get saved. Especially in your own family. If your husband's not saved, if your wife is not saved, if your child's not saved, if your parents are not saved, if there's anybody you ought to want to get saved, it'd be all to your, it ought to be your own family. You want to see your own family saved. But pray for your family. Pray for your friends. You've got friends that are not saved. It's obvious they're not saved. You know they're not saved. They don't profess to be saved. They don't make, make no bones about it. But pray for them that they might be saved. If they got any friend at all that ought to pray for them, it would be you. You are the one that should be praying. Not Don't depend on somebody else. Pray. You should be the one praying for your family. You should be the one praying for your friends that they might be saved. You and I have lost family and friends. We should be praying for them. Get busy. in the business of spreading the gospel. Praying for people to be saved. God's able to save. He will save. But I do believe in my soul that God depends upon us to do our part and get involved in it in spreading the gospel. Others might come to know Christ as their Savior. Remember when you got saved, now that the people were praying for lost people, I mean, you recognize people praying for you. Personally, I don't know if I knew anybody praying for me that I'd be saved. I don't even know if mom and daddy prayed for me to be saved. Mom and daddy didn't even go to church back in those days. May God help us to be involved in the ministry of spreading the gospel. Pray for the preacher. Pray for the Sunday school teacher. And pray and ask the Lord to use you in whatever way He is pleased to use you in the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's all saying if you would please. <coughs> Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loves us and the one who willingly laid down his life and to take our sins upon his own body. Heavenly Father, thank you that you worked through us to proclaim the news, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, 
help us to do our job well, to spread the word to those that we are around. Help us to be involved in your ministry of salvation. Heavenly Father, help us to be faithful to your word and proclaim it to all those around us. And be with us as we go from here and bring us back to the next appointed time. And I pray that all that we say and do will bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask these things in his name. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Amen. Mm-hmm.